Good morning. Today is Wednesday, October 25th, and today is part seven, the final part of our series. My name is Scott Shera. I am Grace's dad, and I jumped into this fight because of my daughter's murder. And by doing a detailed investigation and research into her murder, it led me on a path to wake up. And so now I am in that process, and I call it deprogramming because we have been programmed to believe all kinds of lies. And this series is called medical murder is the number one cause of death in the united states by design and i'm emphasizing by design and that is the theme that we've gone through throughout because this has been by design so then by way of introduction i want to also say that this entire series is posted on grace's website more importantly if you are inclined to research further you can go into the outlines that i prepare for my own use in preparing for the show because those outlines have infinitely more research, well, not infinitely, but you know, a subset of infinitely more research along with all the links and everything that I don't show in the PowerPoint because I'm trying to keep the podcast down to about an hour or so. Today, we're gonna go a bit over an hour, I believe. Uh, and then last, I wanna say by way of introduction, the clips that I show, I'm showing them because of the fact the message of the message that is in the clip so listen to the message you know you can disagree with the messenger and oftentimes i do but look at the message because the message is why i'm pulling the clip because the message is what i'm after all right so with that being said let's get started don you can pull up the first slide so that's our introduction slide and then we'll jump right to slide two and you'll see what we're going to do first is we're going to review in very quick order all six sections that we've been through. All right, so the first section that we uh, that we did is who, we'll go to the next slide, Don, they're all in on it. All right, so they're all in on it. So what does that mean? So if you go back to that presentation, you see that we have uh, the medical industrial complex, of course. We have the federal government, of course. We have the state government through legislation protecting doctors and nurses. Then we have big business, which um, is really no surprise because we have big pharma, but it's way more than big pharma. Then we have the churches, which shocked me quite a bit, and then controlled opposition, which is a whole new concept to me because I wasn't awake before Grace's death. So let's go to the next slide, Don, and play the clip. I'll just introduce the slide before you play the clip. So in this clip, you're going to hear a man describe that medicine and doctors are substantially worse than the politicians who are behind this nightmare. So go ahead and roll the clip, Don. National healthcare. Now, most people say, we've suffered so long. Canadians have got national healthcare. The British have got national health service. We've got to have national healthcare. And Hillary Rotten Clinton tried to bring national healthcare in with the electronic medical record, the EMR. The EMR is an electronic choker chain on your doctor. But if they don't do what their Nazi Dr. Mengele commanders tell them, they'll yank their license. They'll yank their chain. They'll prosecute them and they'll imprison them. So a large and very powerful leg of the New World Disorder is your doctor. Because most of the really bad things they want to do to you, including implantation of chips, vaccines that are psychotronic that will rewire your brain, vaccines that will insert DNA to alter your genetics, vaccines that will cause cancer, vaccines that will program so that you will actually be sensitized 
I call brain tenderized to ELF technology that can transfer thoughts and insert them into your mind and your body and control your very physiology using scalar technologies. All of these have been developed and your doctor will administer them. Just like the big pharma drugs that are administered that are slowly killing our elderly population and turning them into demented fools. Okay? If you think that politics is corrupt, medicine is a thousand times more corrupt. A thousand because the victims are either dead, dying, or wish they were. So that was Bill Deagle. That video was recorded in 2006. And, of course, he is now dead as a result of a hospital murder in 2023. No surprise uh, that uh, he is a man that they wanted out because he was sharing truth. Let's go to the next slide, Don. So you hear me say this quite a bit, follow the money. And the graph on the right shows you, relative to hospital service services, what has been the increase in cost relatively speaking to other services in our society. And, you know, if you follow the money, you can see all kinds of evil because God said the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And what what is happening, why I put this slide together is I get these calls fairly regularly, regularly from people who have lost loved ones and they say the system failed me. And it isn't the system that failed them. What I respond back is that you're, your loved one's loss is an example of how deep the lies we've been told about the Hippocratic Oath and justice and how deep those lies have been embedded in our culture. So what you've experienced is not a failure of the system. It is a system that has been designed that way on purpose. And I hope what, what I've been exposing, uh, you're convinced of at least that fact. All right, so that covers the who. Let's go to the next one. So in part two, we covered the culture of death. So what are all these people who are following the satanic agenda to reduce our population? What is the lie that they have been sold? How did they come up with this culture of death? And the lie is eugenics. Let's go to the next slide, Don. So eugenics, the thought process has been around since before Jesus walked the face of the earth. But in modern times, the United States developed the current eugenics philosophy in the early 1900s. Hitler adopted that philosophy, and then through Operation Paperclip, we took the uh, German eugenicists back to the United States, 1,600 of them, to take the agenda of eugenics to the next level. And so why we publicly renounced Hitler, the fact is we took the technology that he took to the next level, and we've adopted it hook, line, and sinker in the, in the United States. Let's go to the next slide. The first document that I could find that was public relative to the eugenics philosophy was this 1967 plan to depopulate the United States. And this came about because I went to kindergarten in 1968 and I shared that in 1968, they were programming five-year-olds that it's irresponsible to have more than two children. So that's the population reduction agenda. And if your parents had an electric can opener, that is wrong because it's using limited planet resources. So now we got the climate control agenda. So this was being um, introduced through propaganda, the weekly reader in 1968. And this document from 67 was the impetus. So now we get to the current time period. So let's go to the next slide, Don. And I've shared this slide multiple times, but it, it is really an important slide. This is 
Obamacare section 1553. It was passed March 23rd of 2010. And this legalized for the first time, it put in writing, legalized, passed by Congress, signed by the president that euthanasia, mercy killing and assisted suicide becomes legal in the United States by law. All right, so that's what they bought into and that's how they're implementing it is the eugenics philosophy. Okay, so let's go to the next slide, Don. And in the next slide, this is part three. Where is this all happening? Of course, it's happening around the world, but the United States I'm calling out as being Mystery Babylon. We're, we are the, the country uh, that we, we've been sold that we're the light on the hill. But in fact, what we are is we are spreading an agenda uh, across the entire world. And this uh, COVID situation really caught us. And so let's go to the next slide. It only, it, it caught us to the point of those with ears to hear and eyes to see. You can see, oh my gosh, the United States is on is in on this. We've convinced 71% of the world's population to take the jab. Uh, the jab has all kinds of side effects that are, are known and unknown. We have a 24% all-cause mortality increase in those people who took the jab. And we know based on what's been released that less than 5% of the population who took the jab got the real jab to, to wreak havoc. So what does the Bible say about all of this? In Revelation 18.23, it says, for your merchants, that's the United States merchants, were the most powerful most important people of the earth, because of your pharmacia, they deceived all nations. So we've got this latest, greatest mRNA technology, and we deceived the entire planet with it. All right, so what's really going on? And this is very important. Part four, we'll go to the next slide, Don. Talks about, excuse me, it talks about what is going on behind the scenes. What is the esoteric? Esoteric means what's going on hidden from the population versus exoteric means it's it's right in front of, of our eyes. Um, so what is really going on? The esoteric spiritual battle, we'll go to the next slide. What we see is a satanic battle for souls. So Satan and God are in battle for souls and Satan is doing this through his beast systems. So when you look at all the details, all the players, the timeline over hundreds of years, the secret societies, and it's all coordinated, you're, you'd have to be blind to not see that this is orchestrated not by men, but by a satanic force. And so part of the battle for the souls of all men who don't follow the God of the Bible is they... Satan has to had to put together a system, the Antichrist system, which is a false light so that those people who don't believe in the God of the Bible can believe in another system to replace God. And what's happening is all of these false beliefs are walking into the ultimate trap and it's it's coming soon. So we'll play that clip, Don, please. You have a global call for the fulfillment of the Islamic eschatological reality from Shia and both Sunni. If anybody doesn't know Islam, there's two major sects. There's all kinds of minor sects within Islam, but the two major ones have their own eschatological reality on what must happen for, for the Messiah to return. Israel and the Talmudic guys and the Pharisees, they have their version of what must happen for their Messiah to return. The Jews' Messiah, 
Islamic Messiah. The New Agers have their eons and their ages, the Aquarian age on what must happen for their Messiah to return, right? And the occultists have their version on what must happen for their Messiah, their Nimrodian arrogance, their Apollo, Apollyon, Horus, Osiris, you name it, demigods to return. And every single one of them is saying it's right now. All right, let's go to the next slide because God gave us a warning that this was going to happen. If you have studied your Bible, you know Jesus said Satan is the prince of this world. And in Genesis 3.15, God tells us that Satan's role is a deceiver. And to quote Genesis 3.15, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He, that's Jesus, shall bruise your head and you, Satan, shall bruise his heel. Well, what is his heel? What is God's heel? Well, God's heel is us. It's the planet and the people. And so Satan has given uh, the authority to rule this world. And he has done it through the Antichrist system. And, you know, uh, those of us who see the world from a biblical worldview can see this. And it is coming in in uh, perfect light right now because what's happening is um, it's it, all these world events that are happening are on, a, on an accelerated pace on purpose. And we'll cover that in just a little bit. All right, so then we'll go to slide 15. Satan is permitted to afflict God's people. So the Patriot movement is the most common movement that those of us in the alternative media are familiar with. And what I'm calling out here is that believing that somehow God is going to save America without repentance is an example of Satan's deception. So remember, Satan is a deceiver. So if we don't have repentance, it is a deception because why do we need repentance? We got here from rejecting God. That means the only way out of this is acknowledging that rejection and repenting of it. And what about the church? He's he's also influenced the church. I already said that when the church is one of the, the groups that's in on this, when I say they're all in on it for part one. But the current eschatology position push, is that also a satanic dialectic? Go ahead and play the clip, Don. I mean, you think about the Pharisees and the scribes studying for the first advent of Jesus Christ all their entire life was studying the scriptures, studying the scriptures, studying the scriptures, studying the scriptures. Nah, that's not him. Kill him. Okay, next. Study the scriptures. Right? They missed it. And their entire lives revolved around studying and waiting for the deliverer, for Emmanuel, for the Messiah to come and deliver them from all their foes. And they totally missed it. I think it'll be the same at the second coming. We can study, study, study and have a rough idea. But if in our hubris we think we understand eschatology, we're going to miss it. There's too many dogmatic scholars out there talking about all things about the end times. telling you, this is what it is. And then many are going to be deceived into receiving the Antichrist. Just like many at the first time were deceived into rejecting the Messiah. Another is going to come in my name and him you will receive. That's what Jesus said. So. All right, let's go to the next slide, Don. And I'm going to cover something now. I don't know if I have it in the slides today, but I just mentioned I said I'll cover it later. And I'll just cover it now because why is there such a push right now? And I, I do believe I have it covered later, but just in case I don't, it's... 
it's labeled Agenda 2030. So what is going on? Well, Satan knows the Bible better than any man who's ever walked the face of the earth other than Jesus. So he knows his time is short. And so it is the last ditch effort to get everybody into the control grid so that they start taking what Satan has put in place, the Antichrist system and the false prophet system, and buy into that as the replacement for the only God that is the one true God. So when you see everything now, it all fits into the two beast systems of Revelation 13. So there's a race to expose evil. That's the first beast system. And you know the Antichrist system has took, taken 6,000 years to perfect. We see false prophets a lot of times throughout history, but the false prophet system that's being developed right now is I believe is to provide security and comfort because as evil gets exposed and we realize that, I mean, we, we're cooked, uh, we are going to be clamoring for security and comfort. And of course, September 11th showed that. I'm gonna cover something on September 11th in just a little bit. All right, so now we go to part uh, five of the series, which is the next slide. So what began in the garden is on steroids today. And so we're going to look at just a couple of things exoterically. So what began in the garden is this chase for knowledge. And what Satan has done is he is very creative at using exoteric, meaning we can see them, dialectics to get us trapped. So let's go to the next slide, Don, slide 18. All right. So the, we're just going to pick on two right now. So we have the COVID exoteric dialectic and then the President Trump exoteric dialectic. And I picked those on purpose. You'll see when I do the close because COVID exposes the evil agenda and President Trump exposes the less evil false prophet agenda. So it, with COVID, we've got people chasing the lab leak. They're exposing lies, cover-ups, uh, lawsuits. And you know, uh, you everybody who is following Grace's story knows we have a lawsuit, but the lawsuit is part of exposing evil. We're the, the legal system is part of the Antichrist system. So we don't want to submit to the Antichrist system, of course. So we're using the lawsuit to expose evil, shed light on evil, so that we can hopefully, through the press related to the lawsuit, save people's lives, because that's the goal. So COVID exposed the agenda, but it's not the agenda. The agenda, esoterically, is to have evil exposed to the population so that we're clamoring for security and comfort. All right, so with President Trump, we have all kinds of dialectics going on. We got the election challenge. Uh, we know that he's not being treated fairly, equally under the law, obvious, right? Um, he's had good economic policies that people want to um, get behind. And just recently he announced that prayer would be coming back to schools when when and if he's reelected. So when I, I'm laughing about that because praying to who? Because you can say prayer, but it's a matter of who you're praying to relative to if the prayer is going to be heard. So we'll play the short clip in that light. But Christians today see him differently, like some sort of savior sent by God. I think God uh, calls all of us to uh, fill different roles at different times. And I think that um, he wanted Donald Trump to become president, and that's why he's there. But have you ever asked God for forgiveness? <laughs> 
I'm not sure I have. I just go and try and do a better job from there. I don't think so. I think I, if, I, if I do something wrong, I think I just try and make it right. I don't bring God into that picture. I don't. Now, when I take, you know, when we go in church and, and when I drink my little wine, which is about the only wine I drink, and have my little cracker, I guess that's a form of asking for forgiveness. And I do that as often as possible because I feel cleansed, okay? All right, let's go to the final slide for the historic series. So we're in part six. So how did they pull this all off? It's through the American dream. Let's go to the next slide. The American dream, we as a population, we made a bad trade. We traded freedom, which only God can give for government protection. And there's no better example of that than what happened with 9-11. 9-11 was the ultimate trading freedom for this lie so that the we wanted security and comfort. We were afraid. And so the freedom that we had before 9-11, which we traded, by the way, if you look at the series, part six, we traded it a long time before 9-11. But 9-11 was the exclamation point that opened the door to what's happening today. So we traded the freedom that was that we had on September 10th of 2001 to being slaves effective on September 11th of 2001, shortly thereafter the Patriot Act was passed only a month afterward. And the Patriot Act allows the FBI to secretly conduct uh, searches and wiretaps on us without probable cause. So the Patriot Act stands for providing appropriate tools required to intercept and obstruct terrorism. And sounds good. Uh, they always are creative with these names. I've called that out before, and you see the word Bohica. If you're not familiar with that word Bohica, you're going to be right now because it stands for bend over, here it comes again. And so the Patriot Act was another Bohica. And here's the, the reality, folks. We are the terrorists. The United States citizens are the terrorists that they're after. All right, let's play the clip, Don. They're going to track all transactions by May of 2008. And even if you have silver or gold coins or you want to barter, it's actually against the Patriot Act if you read all the act, which I have, and the various little pieces, because they couldn't put it all in once, the Patriot Act too, they put it in little sections and stuck it on other amendments and other bills, that it is against the law after the full implementation of the National Driver's ID to actually uh, do any transaction without your national identification shown. So if you actually barter or if you give a gold coin for gasoline or bread, it's a violation of the National Security Act, and you're by definition a terrorist, and by definition you receive a minimum sentence of a year, which is a requirement to have a rendition to one of 80 civil detention facilities built by Bechdel Corporation in Halliburton for your pleasure and enjoyment for the rest of your days, how short they may be, including that if you have done any violation of state or federal law after that date, or under this uh, law, in terms of transactions, you can be executed without any habeas corpus. That's already passed. This is not passed. No civilization in history, not the Assyrians, not the ancient Sumerians, not the Babylonians, not the Atlanteans or Lemurians, not any civilization on this planet has ever actually openly said in advance what they're going to do to destroy their civilian population. But this one has. 
All right, so let's go to the conclusion slide, Don. And so before I read the conclusion slide, I'm guessing that everybody watching right now that has uh, stored up some gold and silver for what's eventually coming, you have a little bit different opinion right now. And you know, my thought process on all of this is very simple. We cannot protect ourselves against a serial killer that is our government. It's impossible. There's no way. I mean, you can't get a bomb shelter. You can't have enough ammunition. You can't have enough food. They have all the technology in place uh, to be able to do things that are inconceivable. And I've got reference to a number of those type of things in the notes, the outline that I'm using. So I would, would be hopeful that some of you dig into some of the, the clips that are not here because it are they're eye-opening and you realize very quickly you can't protect yourself. All right, so now we just did a quick review of the six parts of the series before today. And so the conclusion, look at COVID through the eyes of deception on an esoteric, evil being exposed by design to set up another evil and exoteric level. And you begin to see an amnesty play. Quote, we made a mistake, but we'll do better next time. I hear this a lot. Watch out for anyone who says COVID was a mistake. How is it possible we could fall for amnesty? Because of another big satanic lie. And that is people are inherently good. That is not what the God of the Bible says. So we believe foolishly that no one could be that evil and then when you add that to our desire for security and comfort, you can see how we fall for it. Tom Wren's promoting a congressional investigation and Peter McCullough is still calling the bioweapon a vaccine are examples of being trapped in the exoteric dialectic. On a less evil esoteric agenda, there's the exoteric push for Trump and all the fixes he says he'd bring. No wars, holding people accountable, gold-backed currency, education overhaul, the list goes on and on. All of those are an inversion of what we're experiencing today. What's missing? I've said it many times before, repentance, and that's our key to seeing the deception. COVID was a success both esoterically, setting up the angel of light, and exoterically, creating a dialectic to have us all focus on this evil while a substantially eviler agenda is taking place without being noticed. We are literally on the fringe. 80% of the people, why? Because we, are, we live in big cities, can be cut off from food and electricity and the chaos that would be turned on in an hour for those living, especially in big cities, would be unbelievable. That's saying nothing about poisoning the water supply. And these are just the things we know about. Digital currency is just another dialectic in this satanic game. Satan is the prince of the world, and the entire Antichrist system is a trap to get us to put our faith in men and knowledge. The matrix was designed to enslave us. God used grace's murder to lead me out of the trap. And I want to read something that's personal to me, Second Chronicles 16, 12, and then I'll explain why. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. And this is my sin related to Grace's death, is that I relied on men and I took my daughter Grace to the hospital 
without consulting our Lord first. And the fear got to me. God did not give us a spirit of fear. And that is the sin relative to grace's death that I had to repent of. Uh, and I don't want anybody to make that same mistake. And that's why I have gone all in on exposing the satanic agenda as it applies to the medical murder lane, which is what I'm committed to expose. All right. So let's move on to uh, the new things for today. So the title for today uh, is, I'm just going to go back so I read it properly, Don. Uh, now what? Now that we are awake, uh, what are you going to do about it? So the title is Repent, Get Right with God, and Shine the Light You Have. So before we, we get into the business of repentance, I want to give a brief overview as to how bad are we? So how, where are we now compared to other times in world history? Will the United States be taken down? So let's go to slide 23, Don. And so in Revelation 18, 19, uh, God says that for in one hour is she made desolate. So let's play that clip, please, Don. For in one hour, so great riches is come to naught. And every shipmaster and all the company of ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like unto that great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea and by reason. Man, it sounds like somebody, it sounds like the, our port off Los Angeles there, sorry. Um, and, and wherein were made rich all that had ships by sea by reason of her costliness for in one hour is she made desolate. This concept is an unbelievably big deal to know and understand because like the scripture says, Brother Frank, in a single day, in a single hour, in a single day, in a single hour. And what it presupposes, as it does elsewhere throughout scriptures with regards to the fall of Babylon, is that there is a degree of normalcy, and then there's not. Just like in the original Babylon, they were eating and drinking and in hubris thought, I'll never be a widow. I'll never see shame. Where is this God of judgment? All the prophets are just when and all their words come to nothing as they drink out of the golden vessels. And I've done the research on this because I'm a logistics guy, you know, from Marine Corps infantry is, is how, how would they not have known that they were coming down again? How could they have not have known? So I did the research and it says that there were about the potential estimates are 600,000 troops with their logistics trains and everything combined moving across open territory for two years to get to fulfill that prophetic word that night when they saw the handwriting on a wall. And you're telling me nobody saw it coming, but listen, it's true. Nobody saw it coming because that's, what's been going on in America. There's Chinese troops to the South of us. There's Russian bombers in Venezuela, Nicaragua and Cuba. There's Chinese armor brigades on Vancouver Island, just uh, waiting to come up the Columbia river gorge. There is, um, it's been outed with political official after political official, their Chinese ties, their Chinese payoffs. The head of MIT is paid off by China. The head of Harvard's paid off by China. The whole Wuhan, everything, China, whenever you hear China, hear Russia. Whenever you hear Russia, hear China. It's a done deal, ladies and gents. And it will be business as usual until in a single day and a single hour because 
their cup of iniquity is overflowed. We drink it to the dregs and then we shake our fist in the face of God and say, give me more, God. That's the spirit of, of America. It is going to happen because the Lord has assured us it's going to happen. And what we see right now, anybody with ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the churches is listen to what is being said globally and watch what's happening. The stage is being set on purpose from our elected officials inside America for the systematic demolition of everything that you've ever known to be normal. And it's going to happen instantly. The whole Russia thing is just to build up plausible, plausible deniability to completely implode the global economy, in particular America, to have false flag nuclear strikes or bi biological attacks or cyber warfare attacks in order to consolidate power one more time. And, and from their language, the final time into a one world government with a one world currency backed by blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies. That's where all this is going. And they do not hide it. Wow. So, um, of course, now the fire has been lit or the fuse has been lit because that uh, recording was done, I think, uh, over a year ago. And now we have Hamas has invaded Israel. And yeah, I see it as the fuse has been lit. We'll see how this all transpires in real time. So we're living in an exciting time. Let's go to the next slide, Don. This one I technically covered before because I forgot that I had it in here. Uh, so I covered that, so we won't do it again. But now we'll go to God's judgment is overdue, the next slide. And this is an, another fairly long video, but it's, it's important. So, Don, you can roll the clip. Deuteronomy chapter 28. When a nation turns against the Lord and his judgment is proclaimed, we better look out. And we better either get on his plan or we better, we better, <laughs> we better hope that we die before this thing really goes down because you do not want to be there when the Bible talks about men's hearts will be failing them from just the fear of what's coming upon the earth. You don't want to be alive. You know what, that brother Frank, like, like what, what, I, what I didn't even, what I didn't even cover there in Deuteronomy 28 is, and this is the global food scarcity crisis. This is the black horse riding. This is a day's wages for a loaf of bread. That's a global hyperinflationary economy. And what comes after a global hyperinflationary economy and all these rises is the inability to produce food because the cost to produce it is too much. And Russia cut off all exports of fertilizer, which 5 million people on the face of the earth require Russian fertilizer to grow food. Uh, Ukraine and Russia represent 30% of the world's global wheat exports. They are not putting wheat in the ground this year. This is all perfectly designed to create mass famine. When you have famine, you always have plagues. And when you have famine and plagues, you always have pestilence. And then when you have famine, plagues, and pestilence, you always have wars crossing boundaries. And when you have all that, then you have global hyperinflationary thing. So you literally see how the Christ, when he, whenever his time is to break the seals, they're not these isolated uh, compartmentalized incidents. They're all simultaneously, ladies and gents. They're all going on simultaneously at the same time. But here's what it says in Deuteronomy 28, is it speaks to the fact that that nation coming against you because of your wickedness and because the cup of, the, uh, the cup of your iniquity is so overflowing that you will cannibalize your children in sheer desperation. 
It talks over and over and over again about the judgment on Israel and the fact that it is so horrible when the God when God does business with you that the women covet the afterbirth of their child in secret and the husband eats of the flesh of his wife's womb in secret and they're hiding their children as they're eating them from one another because it is that terrible. It says it says men will want to gouge out their eyes for fear of what they're looking at. It says that they they're anxious in their eyes and they're it, they're anxious in their minds and their eyes are weary and their hearts fail them for fear of what they see coming on the earth. And yet, and yet we have the mass majority of American Christians that think they can sit around and drink out of the golden vessels of God and mock him and test him saying, I'll never be a widow. I'll never see harm. I am the Lord's elect and chosen. Nothing will come near my tent. And, and it's a total lie. The message of the day is the same as it's always been. Repent for the day of Lord is at hand. It's consecrate yourselves today for you made been made liable on the field of destruction. You will fall before your enemies unless you remove the devoted things from among, among your camp. In Joshua 7, it's repent for the day of Lord is at hand. Repent for the day of Lord is at hand. First, first the, the message of... of uh, John the Baptist, repent for the day of Lord's at hand. The message of Christ after the devil of the Holy Spirit befalls him, repent for the day of Lord's at hand. The first message preached after the outpouring of the Spirit of Pentecost with many other words, Peter warned them saying, repent for the day of Lord's at hand. And many were added to their numbers that day. The message is never change. It's fix your eyes on Christ Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. May he open your eyes so that you can see your nakedness because he's counseled you to come and buy from him white raiments to cover your nakedness, to cover your shame. He said, buy from me gold that's been purified. Quit running after your 401ks and your Babylonian money magic systems, building your own houses and living in your paneled houses while the house of the Lord lies in ruins. I mean, listen to the word of the Lord, ladies and gents, from Genesis to Revelation to his people he's like come out from among them touch no unclean thing lest listen for the people of god just like for israel same for the church lest you partake in a double portion of her plagues we get a double portion because of complacency we get a double portion of the justice of god because to whom much is given much is required we get a double portion because he said if you sow according to the flesh you will reap destruction. You knew better. You had my spirit. You had my word. You had my truth. You had my freedom. You had no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, surely you will die. But if by the power of the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. And you deliberately, Second Peter 2 or 3, I can't remember. It says, but you deliberately forgot. You willfully chose ignorance as bliss. You wanted the entire bliss translates as intoxication or enchantments. You chose to be intoxicated and enchanted with the things of the world. They deliberately choose to refuse to believe that the same God who judged the earth with the deluge is coming again to judge it by fire. It's willful, it's deliberate, and it's costly. So we must get this right, brother. We must get this right, brothers and sisters. And fixing our eyes on the Lord 
We cannot be negligent in this late hour. It says, be sober-minded, vigilant, in eager anticipation and return of the Lord. You're to be waiting, looking, watching, dressed, ready for the bridegroom to repair. You're to be have your, oil, your, your wicks trimmed so that your light burns brightly, the extra stores of oil, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, so that you can endure even into the third and the fourth watch of the night, waiting for your Savior to return. You're to be adequately prepared, properly prepared physically, mentally and emotionally to endure to the end because those who endure to the end will receive the crown of life. Hallelujah. Folks, that's difficult words spoken right there. There's no sugarcoating what was just stated. All right, let's move to the next slide because the lack of sugarcoating even gets worse. Let's talk about if there's going to be a Chinese invasion. Don, go ahead and roll that clip, please. So let me ask you this, guys. Where's China at in all this? I've been talking about the Chinese kinetic invasion for eight years. I've been talking about it. The armored brigades on Vancouver Island, the masses of troops in the southern border in Venezuela and elsewhere, the high kinetic availability, the shipping containers filled with weapons that have been caught in the port, the fact that we sold our deep water port, Long Beach Harbor, to China, and they've been amassing equipment in there unabated, the fact that Governor Newsom's name was mentioned in a hot mic incident from Chinese generals saying that they have been assured by Governor Newsom stand-down orders all the way to the Rocky Mountains when they invade. Where's China at? Have you guys heard a word about China with all this? Russia, Ukraine? What, what happened with Ukraine? What happened with Ukraine? With the $800 billion of armaments and all of Europe converging in there, giving all their strategic oil reserves, giving all their weapons, uh, what, they just disappeared? I guess the war stopped because now there's something going on in Israel? Where's China at? How about the Hamas, Hezbollah, drug cartel, Chinese sleeper cells? Iranian Republican Guard Special Forces? How about the fact that China and Russia were invited to participate in our Grid X1 and Grid X2 drills to learn how to take down our power grid? They were invited in and then bring it back online without destroying critical infrastructure. Did you know that happened? How about the Chinese general who bought 200 square miles of Texas ground bordering the Rio Grande border, that all the Chinese troops are coming right in across the Rio Grande into a sanctuary, into a safe haven owned by a Chinese general who put in a heavy lift aircraft landing strip on his own private property. And even the Governor Abbott knows about it in Texas and they do nothing because they're all given stand down orders. All right, let's go to the conclusion slide. I realize this is a lot to take in. I, I get that, but it's important because we've got to get to the point where we come to grips with it's God only. So conclusion, God's judgment is deserved. It's coming and it will be swift. Satan's announced plans are no surprise. It is urgent to get right with God. So let's go to the next section, Don. Are we finally ready for God? And you know, ultimately we get to, let's go to the next slide. We only have two choices. Either we are going to love ourselves or love God. And you know, this process, you know, we end up becoming red-pilled. So beforehand, we're in the matrix. You start learning about things, you get red-pilled, and you ultimately conclude the American dream is a lie. Well, now what? Well, God wants you to choose to keep pursuing real truth. So we've got some truth and we want to 
God wants us to escape the world's matrix altogether and take the white pill. Enter, then finish the race God is calling you to be in. That's what his goal is. Uh, if you are awake, you quickly conclude that God is the only answer. You and no man, no great leader can protect you from the satanic system. So now what? A new paradigm is presented. Instead of gathering toys, we store up riches in heaven. And God has been chasing us relentlessly, hoping that we will conclude, as Solomon did in Ecclesiastes, that everything is meaningless in Satan's kingdom. Uh, those of you who have been following us, you know, we have a billboard campaign uh, in our local area, and this is on the right is one of the billboards that we have up. All right, let's go to the next slide, Don. So <clears throat> what, what does God uh, offer us? Well, you know, ultimately, the first step in the process is he wants us to come to grips with what's going on. So he lays out the entire scripture is pointed to this, but I just picked five and I'm going to go through those five and then we'll conclude. So in Romans 1.20 says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So you can just walk around, you see nature, you see and you think, how is this even possible? How does our body self-repair itself? Well, it's because God designed everything. Then Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's not a person who's ever walked the face of the earth other than Jesus Christ who hasn't sinned. And that's a problem for God because for God to have a relationship with us, we have to be sinless. So for the wages of sin, Romans 6.23 is death. That's what we deserve because of our sin. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Then John 3.16, this is the one you see many times when, when uh, you see people holding up signs for God. So love the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So that means uh, the difference between heaven and hell for our uh, eternity. And then the scripture, I put this one in because this is when I when I read the Bible uh, for the first time, this is the scripture that convinced me that um, what God's truth was is true. Uh, before that, I had no clue. But, it, you know, when I got through, I thought this this is the one that put me over the top. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is grace, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So it, it's all God. God saves us. So God's nature is plainly seen. He seeks a relationship with us. He creates a desire in the heart so that we can see who we are and who he is. And at that point, we finally have a real choice. Before that, we could only sin. Uh, what does God want our answer to be when coming to grips with who we are? Well, three things, acknowledge who we are and who he, who he is, believe in Jesus, that God sent him to pay the price for our sins, and then repent. And at that point, we are born again, and we have right standing with the Father. Uh, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, and at that point, God declares us righteous. All right, so then what? The real work begins. Let's go to the next slide. So that's just the start. Now the real work begins because guess what? We have pride. Pride is wanting our own way. It's our real stumbling blocks. How do we become humble? Can we just choose that? And uh, <laughs> I wish it was that easy, but it's not. Uh, go ahead, Don. You can play the clip. 
In Acts chapter 7, it says in verse 22, Moses was educated in all the learning of Egyptians. And listen to these words. He was a man of power in words and deeds. That means he was a very eloquent man. That's the meaning of a man of power in words, eloquence, and in deeds. His actions matched his words. He knew he was an Israelite. And when he was approaching the age of 40, he visited his brethren, the sons of Israel, and he killed an Egyptian. And he supposed, verse 25, that his Israelite brethren would understand that God was granting them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. He killed one Egyptian and hoped that the Israelites would see, fellas, do you see what I've done? With one blow, I killed this guy. I'm an eloquent man. I'm a man of power and words and in deeds. God has sent me to deliver you. They didn't understand. And Moses had to run away for 40 years. And his 40 years in the wilderness was like the 38-year wandering of the Israelites. What was God waiting for? God was waiting for this man who was mighty in word and deed to come to an end of himself, this eloquent Egyptian prince, to finally come to the place that when God says to him at the age of 80, Moses, I want you to go and be the leader of the Israelites. And God, Moses says, no. He says, I can't speak. It's quite an amazing thing. You read in Exodus 4 what he says to God. He says, Lord, Exodus 4, verse 10. I have never been eloquent neither recently nor in time past. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. He wasn't like that when he was 40, but he'd completely forgotten it. God had wiped out that confidence in his own ability by the time he was 80. And the Lord said, I can make you speak. And he said, please, Lord, don't send me. Send somebody else, verse 13. He was completely broken. God brought him down to a zero point. And then he became a leader. Let's go to the conclusion slide then, Don. Jesus said, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In James, God says he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So to be useful to God in this world requires walking with him continuously, continually, and it means breaking our pride on a moment-by-moment -moment basis then we're useful to God. All right, we're going to transition now. Let's do the intro slide of the next uh, section, Don. We're going to talk about some physical preparation and some spiritual preparation for the times that we're in. So in Genesis 50, 20, 
we've been using this scripture to stand on as a family. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And a lot of times when I'm on interviews, people talk about Esther 414, uh, which it says, how do you know you haven't been made for a time such as this? And, you know, they're applying it to the work that I'm doing, but it, it really applies to Grace, my little stinker, because she was made for a time such as this. She gave her life for a time such as this to first wake me up, then wake up our family, and now to spread this uh, message and the things that we've been woken up to uh, on a lot bigger platform. So, uh, you know, Grace was a, a martyr in a battle that we are in. It's serious business to me. All right, so let's move to uh, physical protection. The next slide. How do you protect yourself uh, from, from the medical industrial complex? And so the question I have when you look at this through a different lens is why, do, why does a non-hunter own a gun? Well, if you own a gun as a non-hunter, you obviously believe your responsibility is to protect yourself. So what happened is you believe you have a responsibility to protect yourself. So that's the most important thing you could do relative to the medical industrial complex is believe that it's your responsibility to protect yourself. That is not what they do. Uh, they don't, we've been sold this bill of goods called the Hippocratic Oath. That is not what's happening. So the three things that you are responsible for, one is advocacy. And an advocate in a medical situation is there to protect the life of the person he or she is advocating for. It isn't to just be there to comfort them. It's to make sure that every single procedure is approved beforehand. And what does that look like? It looks like informed consent. So every single procedure that the medical system wants to do, you get all the information from staff. Uh, make sure that you have somebody on the outside that you can consult and you get all the information. And then after you get the information, you process it, discern it, pray about it, and then make a decision and give your consent as a separate event. Don't ever feel the pressure to give your permission or lack thereof live unless it is an objective, and I'm emphasizing the word objective, emergency. So the starting point with all of that is uh, your medical directives documents. So there's never been a document that could ever save somebody's life. We have these documents linked on Grace's website under the hospital rescue tab. Um, there's never been a document that ever saved somebody, but the documents are important because it states your wishes to the medical facility as a starting point. And then those wishes get into the system and they're supposed to obey your wishes. Uh, we found out, of course, that they don't, but that's why you need a physical advocate with you. You've got to make sure that your wishes that you have in writing, so things like uh, no jabs, no DNR, no remdesivir, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, things that are your wishes are documented in the medical directives document. So those are physical things that you can do to help prepare yourself. Uh, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rabbit trail. We'll go to the next slide because I think it is important with physical preparation to discern the Agenda 2030 control grid. And you know, so in that regard, we're going to uh, listen to a couple of uh, clips here regarding the digital currency and the chipping idea that's coming. 
um, because I see those as as happening. And I think it's important for us to see what is happening so that we don't participate. So the first clip is from former Assistant Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Catherine Austin Fitz. And she's dis discussing, I really like her analogy of how she talks about the control grid being snapped into place. So go ahead and roll that clip. The beautiful down. thing about having CBDCs is if you're worried about inflation, you just freeze everybody's bank accounts. They can't spend money. So again, this is a complete control system. It's not just a complete financial control system. It's a complete control system. We know, and they've said, that they want to install chips in human beings. We see Elon Musk talking about putting a chip in the back of your head as though somehow that's a fashionable idea. But essentially, this is a slavery system. And if you look historically at one of the reasons that the slave trade was stopped, it was because you couldn't collateralize humans. Um, you couldn't, you know, if a plantation owner sold a slave west, the banks couldn't prove that that was their collateral. With digital technology and shipping, you can. Once you get CBDCs with an, uh, an authentication system, or a, whether it's a digital ID or vaccine passport, once you get those things, we're talking about reducing the human race to a slavery system and you know whatever liberties we've enjoyed in the West or in the United States, they're over. Here's your problem, you're the bankers and you're trying to implement total control and yet if you look at the functionality and value they add, we don't need them. In other words, sovereign governments can issue their own currencies, private parties can also issue currencies, bank can issue, we don't need the central bank. In a digital age, you don't need central banks. And their problem, of course, I think, is if they don't go to complete control, then, you know, they're going to lose control. And if you look at sort of the load that, that or the, the amount of value they extract from the economy, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to have them anymore. So, so now here's the problem. If they push for complete total control, I mean, total control where you're a slave and you're chipped and you have to do everything they say, you know, people will literally say, let's get rid of the central banks. And we have the power still to do that. So the question is, how do you, how do you persuade all the, you know, think of this as a herd of cattle. How do you persuade the cattle to stay in the control grid? You've put up three sides of the corral. How do you snap that last part of the corral in place with CBDCs and vaccine passports without them you know, stampeding out of the corral because there's, you know, there's a tremendous number of them and very few of Mr. Global. So how do you keep them sort of dumb and happy as the control grid snaps into place? And the way you do that is by all the things you do to snap the control grid in place. You don't say, oh, we're snapping a control grid in place because we want to take away your assets. We want to take away your freedoms and we want to you know, we want you to be slaves, what you say is, oh, there's a problem, there's an invisible enemy, and it's not us bankers sneaking up and controlling you. There's a healthcare crisis, and we need to do this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and everything we're doing is here to help. All right, so this control grid idea, I my personal take on this is the how the foresight of the control grid is going to get snapped in place is it's going to be part of the false profit system. That's how they're going to dupe us into 
uh, snapping the fourth side of the control grid into place. So Alex Newman somewhat drills that down a bit. And so we're going to listen to his take on, on the CBDC next. So go ahead and roll that clip down. Central bank digital currencies are, are a critical element of this control grid that they're building for a number of reasons. First of all, you completely eliminate all human privacy, right? Right now, I can take a $100 bill, I can go to the store, nobody would know what I bought except me and the shopkeeper. Uh, that's a very nice system, if you ask me. Uh, under a CBDC system, the government and the banks will know exactly who bought what, where, and when. They'll be able to feed all this data through the algorithms, through the artificial intelligence. They'll start making predictions about you. And if you listen to these World Economic Forum meetings, they're talking about this openly, Tony. They've got their own figures standing up in front of a World Economic Forum background saying, we're going to have programmable currency, and you're not going to be able to buy the things we don't want you to buy, and you've already exceeded your carbon footprint budget for the month, so you can't put gasoline in your car, you can't turn your air conditioning on. Um, this is the most totalitarian economic control mechanism ever devised on a global scale like this, and people need to understand. Uh, what they eventually hope to do is make it so that you cannot buy or sell. And if you've been reading your Bible, those words should sound familiar. The Bahamas has already started its CBDC. It's called the Sand Dollar. They claim to be the world's first CBDC. But uh, I want to show you in Jamaica, amazingly, the prime minister was uh, kind of honest about what's going on here. They're uh, working now on digitizing not just currency, but everything in Jamaica. I want you to see this announcement by the prime minister. Truly incredible. In the coming weeks I will be, and days, I'll be making certain announcements regarding the acceleration of Jamaica's intention to become a fully digital society. We are well on our way to this. We have established the national identification system. We have put in place our digital currency. We have given directions to our ministries to digitalize their operations. Most of our ministries are now moving from paper-based systems to digital systems. Our military is transitioning. The society is moving very quickly, very rapidly to become digital. Our banking consumers are seeing it as well because the banks are moving very rapidly to digital. You have something now called artificial intelligence. Very soon, this position of a, a human being exchanging cash and so on, that is going to disappear from the banking system very soon. And you are going to have to interface with machines. I don't want it to be a scary thought, but it is a thought that we all have to embrace. And, of course, uh, you guys know Joe Biden's working on this. Actually, uh, March of 2022, Joe Biden signed an executive order saying that the administration places the highest urgency on developing and deploying a CBDC. Alex Newman, when do you think this will be implemented in the Western world and, for that matter, more specifically, into America? The architecture is right now being finalized, Jen. The Federal Reserve has already got pilot programs where they're testing this all out with the mega banks. What we're going to see is a gradual implementation. So they'll announce the CBDCs, and after they announce the CBDCs, they will run in parallel with cash for a time. As people get used to the concept, as the kinks in the system are worked out, and as they get further and further toward perfection where there's no more hiccups in the transactions, 
you're going to see an incredible campaign of demonizing cash. And you'll see on your nightly news, you'll hear in commercials, cash is for terrorists, cash is for drug dealers, cash is for child traffickers, cash is for the most wicked, horrible people you could imagine. And anybody who defends cash is defending terrorism and child trafficking and drug smuggling. So we'll see an incredible propaganda campaign, and then they will begin to gradually phase out cash. We're watching this happening as we speak. The demonization campaign has already started. It really got turbocharged during the years of the pandemic all over the world. I've got the news clips where they're saying COVID spreads by using cash. You want to stop using Mm -hmm. cash. Businesses are banning cash. How can we prepare ahead of time? And once it hits, what do we do? First of all, we must not fear. Fear is a tool of the enemy. God does not want his people afraid, and he says it over and over again throughout the scriptures. One verse that comes to mind, because they want to paint us into a corner here and think that we're not going to be able to survive if we won't participate in this. If you go to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Our God is all-powerful. If you go to 1 Kings, you see God actually feeding Elijah using ravens, right? So God can take care of us, and we need to keep that in mind. There is nothing worth going along with this system. And depending on your reading of Revelation and the prophecies, the eschatology, there's a very real chance that once you get sucked into this, you will not ever get out. It's irreversible. Okay, so, you know, we we have seen this be set up for years, of course. I mean, we have, uh, I think I said last week, my wife went into the store. She bought something for $1.72, and she gave the store clerk $1.80, and he could not count the $0.80. Cents. So you can see how we've been programmed, especially the young people don't even know how to count change. This would be a, quite an easy transition. But, you know, it wouldn't be... Um, I don't think we can leave this topic without getting Sylvester Stallone's opinion on it. So go ahead, Don. How you doing? Good. I need to send this to New York overnight. Looks like it'll be 2832. Visa or MasterCard? Cash. Oh. Oh? Yeah, we don't accept cash anymore. You know, not for nothing. And I know you don't make the rules. What the f- is going on with the world, huh? Cash is king. You ever hear that expression? No, I'm sorry. It's a great expression. All right, let's move on to the next slide. So we're going to move into the phys- or the uh, spiritual preparation and actions. And I have a couple of clips by way of introduction. So we'll play the first one, Gaining Wisdom. Go ahead. This is the time. People need to go ahead and see this so that they're no longer deceived by the system. They need to know where we started, where we are currently, what the prophecies say in the occult world, most importantly, what the Bible prophecies say, so that we are not focused on building our kingdom in this world. The kingdom that people are trying to build right now with politics is literally the kingdom of the Antichrist. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. The problem is, is that people in our country try to fix spiritual problems with physical solutions, and you can't do that successfully. The only solution is Jesus Christ, but it goes beyond just knowing Jesus. It also goes into this whole idea of you need wisdom that's beyond your salvation. In James, it says, if you'll just ask God for wisdom, he will give it to you liberally. What does that mean? It means God isn't just going to ask questions like, oh, why do you want wisdom? No, God wants you to be wise. God doesn't want you deceived. God hates lies. 
And so what we do is we're operating with Ephesians 5.11 in mind. We're exposing the unfruitful, wicked works of darkness. That's what we have to do. If we don't carry this information to the people, who's going to equip the church for these days to come? Especially with election time coming up. People need to be aware of what these things actually are, what they mean, and all of the conspiracies that surround them. And people who don't understand conspiracies, the connection between conspiracies and Christianity, they have not studied history. From the very beginning, Satan has had a conspiracy against Jesus Christ. And because of his hatred for Jesus Christ, he hates us. And he's got plans to try to deceive us in these last days. All right, so, so we just got done with uh, gaining wisdom as part of our introduction. What about what we should be doing? Go ahead and play the next clip, Don. What are we supposed to do? Okay, let's talk about that. What are we supposed to do? Well, I'll tell you what, you're not supposed to fear because that's not what you've been given and it doesn't glorify the Lord. You've not been given a spirit of fear, timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. Sophroneo, right? We talk about it all the time, sound mind. Um, we do know that we're not of those who fear bad news, Psalm 112. Our hearts are steadfast, trust in the Lord. Our hearts are secure. We have no fear. We are not shaken. It says we do not fear bad news. We do know that we are told to, when you begin to see all these things taking place, Luke 21, you stand up and you look up because your redemption draws nigh, right? We are told, I do know that we're told, Isaiah 61 and 2, that you are to arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. Though darkness is over the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, the glory of God has arisen upon you. Stand and be enumerated. I do know, as we already read in Daniel 12, that those who, it says, a time of likes of which never has been, never will be again. But those who are wise in the Lord will turn many back to righteousness. I do know that you have a mission set to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ harder and faster with more efficacy than you ever have in your life before. I do know that you were commanded to make the most of every opportunity to redeem the time because the days are evil. I, I know that. And I do know that we have a mandate to be among or to be enumerated among the five wise virgins who do not grow tired and weary and waiting for our Lord, whose lamps are trimmed. You trim the wick on your lamp. Why? So that it burns brighter. So you cut off the sooty part of your lamp so that it burns brighter. You have extra stores of oil, which is, yes, tangible things, but also the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit is often what it's running. You have extra stores of it. You do not grow weary in the third and fourth watch of the night as you longly wait for your Savior so that when he arrives, you're ready to enter into his presence and recline at his table. I do know that. I do know that scriptures have told us that a wise man foresees trouble coming and plans accordingly, but a fool goes on and suffers for it. And I also know that Jesus said, Matthew 24, see, I've told you about all these things ahead of time so that you won't be caught unaware. And I do know that there's men and women out there that are telling you exactly what's getting ready to happen. So now when you combine all that together, the question is, what do you think you should be doing? What do you think you should be doing? Spiritual, emotional, physical, practical preparation. Praying, interceding, the cutting away. You go into the Cherith Ravine, right, like Elijah did. The cutting away, the cutting away the sin, the circumcision of the heart. You know the sin of Achan? You can't stand against your enemies when you have this thing hidden in your tent. You've been made liable for destruction on the field of battle. Sin of Achan, Joshua 7. You better purify your camp. Spiritual preparation, emotional preparation. Is this causing you guys fear or anxiety? How about you young moms? 
Are you like, but what about my kids? I want to see my kids grow up. And I don't want my kids to suffer. And I want, you better do, do some business with the Lord. You better, the Lord loves your kids more than you ever could. The Lord loves your kids more than you ever could. Either you trust the Lord or you don't. And either you've entrusted them to the Lord or you haven't. It's the emotional resiliency. How about racing thoughts? Ah, that's not of the Lord. Quiet confidence. And repentance and rest is your salvation. And quietness and trust is your strength, but you will have none of it. Quietness and tr trust. Are you secure in the Lord? Are you hidden in the Lord? Are you resting in the Lord? Are you Psalm 91-ing in the Lord? Are you Psalm 27 in the Lord? Let them do their worst. Though a troop advance against me, I won't fear. Let's go on to the next slide, Don, because we've got a number of other things that, that I want to cover before we're done with this section. So other things to consider. Diedrich Bonhoeffer is a... Um, I, I would suppose modern day hero to me because he stood up against the uh, war crimes in World War II and he famously said to not to speak is to speak and not to act is to act and I saw this uh, on steroids during during COVID of course everybody seemed to just go along to get along we're supposed to occupy we're called by God to occupy until Jesus returns that means we stand up for truth and we call out evil for what it is. Then roots, do we have roots? Uh, you know, just a simple example I thought of is why do people succumb to the pressure to purchase a timeshare? And it's because there's no roots. And you would say to yourself, I would never do that. And, and the challenge I have back is, are you sure? How do you know? How would you handle it if you're required to bow down? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego showed us exactly what to do. Fear is a great motivator to accept security and comfort, especially when it's become an idol. Then over on the right-hand side, will our enormously bias have us be unprepared? It's critical to walk through things and discuss things with your family before they happen. We'll play the short clip next on. Statistically, they say that 80% of the population, when the greatest of disasters and suffering come upon them, whatever it is, global cataclysms, natural disasters, even just family traumas, 80% of the human psychology will maintain their normalcy because their mind literally fractures because of the depth of the trauma and they will literally get up tomorrow as Chinese troops are parachuting in, as Hamas is parachuting in, they will get up tomorrow and they'll go pay their insurance bill on their car. Because they're scared that they would get in trouble if they don't pay it. It's crazy, right? That's how significant the normalcy bias is. And that's even within the church. The normalcy bias is, again, with the Sermon on Time, that there's always tomorrow. There's always a time. This will fizzle out. This will go away. This will whatever. I'm just going to get up and go to work tomorrow. I'm going to get up and do because I don't want to get in trouble by the government. I don't want to get in trouble by the police. I don't want to get in trouble by the IRS. Everything's different. Everything is different. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us to overflowing, to give us the wisdom, not to the discerning of the times, which is important, but to know what we must do, what we must do like the sons of Issachar. Jesus gave us a 
very tangible thing to do in the spirit of temptation. So when we're tempted, Matthew 4, 8 through 11 uh, tells us exactly what to do. So I'm going to read that now. Again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away from you, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and in him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So that is by far and away is the most powerful thing that we can do to resist the temptations that are coming. All right, I put together just a simple checklist next. Uh, trust in God's promises, put on the full armor of God, shine the light you have, don't participate in evil, critically think before acting, pray for God's purpose as opposed to his power. Uh, understand God did not give us a spirit of fear, so don't take action on fear and shine light on evil. Don't be afraid to speak out. Then two more things I want to do clips on before we wrap things up today. We'll go to the next slide, Don. I think these are, are very important. Um, so the first one have is a is takes off of both the parable of the talents and Ephesians 5:11 which says have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them go ahead and play that clip please Don we have a long history throughout the last 2000 years of Christians standing up to wickedness and saying no we won't tolerate that even in this country in slavery we had multiple states saying no we won't enforce the fugitive slave act no we're not going to capture human beings and send them back to you like they're cattle no so to the extent that we can do those things, that's good. But if you're not a member of a faithful Bible-believing church, you need to be. These are incredible times. We've got to have other believers around us to encourage us, to support us. The body of Christ needs to be unified. Yes, we are one body. We have many members. Not everybody's going to be called to do the same thing. God called me into journalism. God called you into a similar field, Jan. I've always said Ephesians 5.11, that's what I do. I expose and I reprove evil all day, mm. every day. Maybe God puts you somewhere else. Find out what he expects you to do and do that. It's the safest place to be during these times that we are in. Okay, then standing firm and a definition of faith I was taught a long time ago is obedience in spite of the perceived consequences. And I think this next clip does a very good job in talking through standing firm. So go ahead, Don. Now listen to me. When you refuse to comply with the evil, that is already here, and that's going to grow in the days ahead. When you refuse to comply with the evil, you maintain the peace of God in your heart because you know you are living faithful to him. Amen. So again, when evil is in the land and the tyrants are unleashed upon the nation, people will respond with compliance to evil and compromise with evil. Some will compromise for favor. Some will compromise for fear. Some will compromise thinking they can just ask God to forgive them later. Some will compromise through self-delusion, saying and doing one thing while thinking another thing. We saw this with the pandemic, many acting like and thinking they knew all along that it was wrong and evil and a charade, and yet they participated with the mask and the shot. Never, 
making clear that they were fooled. <laughs> and if you doubt the vast majority will compromise and comply with the evil, you are surely mistaken. The pandemic proved the nature of man in the face of evil. You must be faithful to Christ when the evil comes upon the land, when it comes to your door and demands your compromise. That's when you must be faithful. When it demands your pinch of incense. When there are actual concrete consequences for your lack of compliance. That's when your faithfulness matters. That's when it shines bright. That's when hearts are revealed. The peace of God is that resolute resolve to be true to Christ in the face of persecution and martyrdom. And the peace of God must rule in your hearts during this confrontation with evil, or you will falter. You must be resolute, resolved in what you believe and how you behave, and what you believe will determine how you behave whether you are obedient or you falter. Let's go to the closing slide of this section, Don, and then we'll move to wrap things up. So the conclusion, stand firm, be prepared, get engaged, stop waiting for someone else. If you witnessed a murder, what is your responsibility? What about a drive-by shooting? Would you rest or take action until the person was arrested? I hope all of you would take action. Caleb and Joshua knew God would give them the victory if they trusted in God's promise. Regarding preparation, so this is our preparation section. Chuck Missler, who I listened to a long time ago when I first knew I was one of God's, he said there's two mistakes that you can make relative to preparing. First is failing to prepare, and then second is relying on your preparations. We rely on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Then I have a couple of closing thoughts. Uh, next slide, Don. Have the confidence that only God can give. And God tells us in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then in Romans 16.20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And then our last slide, official slide, some final thoughts. Have faith that the worst thing that could happen, God will use for his glory. So what is the worst thing that's ever happened in human history? Christ was crucified. And what's the best thing that ever happened in human history? Christ was crucified. Jesus said, either you are with me or against me. And ultimately, that's the question right now. Which side do you want to be on? And because my little buddy inspired this, I want to close with something that she taught me. And she taught me it the day after my son Travis committed suicide. We were riding around in the truck together, and you know, I was in pretty bad shape. And I wanted to make sure Grace had confidence. So I said to Grace, you know, God's got this, right, Dad? Or right, Grace? I said, you know, God's got this, right, Grace? And she said, I know, Dad. And uh, you know, she just had that childlike faith. And that's really what God wants all of us to do is to trust him. So as Grace would say, God's got this dad. And finally, thank you to all of you who have been following this and sharing it. I really appreciate it very much. Uh, and most importantly, I wanna thank 
the behind the scenes man. So I'm going to introduce you to Super Don Naylor today. And so he's been behind the scenes making a dummy like me look good the whole time. So Don, oh, there no, he is. You don't have to go there, but <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's Thanks all part for... of the process. It's a teamwork uh, situation here. So I'm I'm uh, glad to be a part of it. Well, I'm really thankful you are part of it, and it is, it's been great to have you piece this together. Just in this particular one, we've had multiple glitches. My internet connect, disconnected once, and I can't get on the same, uh, through the same browser, and it's like, oh, but he puts this whole thing together. So we probably had, I don't know, a half a dozen snafus during this thing, but by the time he produces it, nobody will know it, so it'll be wonderful. So thank you, Don. I appreciate Absolutely. you very much. Absolutely, my pleasure. And that's a wrap.